Hi, everybody. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford. He is the one and only Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. Wes, it's our Wednesday show, our middle of the week show, and that means we start looking ahead at the Packers' next opponent, the San Francisco 49ers. It will be a 7.20 p.m. Central Time kickoff on Sunday night football from Levi's Stadium in Santa Clara. This 49ers team... They are currently the top team in the NFC and tied for the best record in all of football at 9-1. and one. Um, Let's take a, a dive here into the offense and defense for the 49ers. On offense, Jimmy Garoppolo is the quarterback. Last year was supposed to be his first year as a starter, as the guy in the spotlight. That got cut short by a knee injury. So this year, he's the guy, and... Uh, He's had some ups and downs in terms of the statistics and whatnot, but at the end of the day, the 49ers are 9-1, and one, and they look to me at the quarterback position like they have a quarterback whose arrow is pointing up. He's a winner. I mean, that's the biggest thing that stands out to me. He was a winner when he had to fill in, in with the New England Patriots. Right. He's been a winner since he's gotten to San Francisco. I don't know the exact stats. I want to say it's something like 19-2 and two as a starter. And there is something to be said. I, I'm not one of those guys that subscribes to quarterback wins, but you can't also deny the fact that this guy's had a lot of success in a very short window of time with what he's being asked to do. And last week I thought was a very telling performance for him. Yep. As I said on Monday's show, I mean, this is a situation where that running game, the second-ranked run game in the NFL, it wasn't there for him. Matt Breida did not play in that game with the ankle. He needed to be able to carry the 49ers, and as Kyle Shanahan said after the game, he did that. They won that game because of their quarterback. Yep. The thing that is interesting about him, though, for this day and age, in, in 2001, no one would have thought anything different of this, but he does you know, put the ball in jeopardy at times. He has 10 interceptions in 10 games this season. That is a number that, you know, if you go back to, again, 15, 20 years ago, 16 interceptions for a season, no one would scoff at that. But now, you know, teams are putting such a premium on protecting the football. Yeah. That is one slight window that I think the Packers could potentially take advantage of. But at the end of the day, this is a guy that's going to probably end up throwing for well over 4,000 yards. He's proven that he's a starting caliber quarterback in this league. In credit to John Lynch and you know, you look at the job that Kyle Shanahan's done, being able to find him, develop him, and, and turn him into the quarterback that I think a lot of people thought he could be. Well, you mentioned the way the 49ers won their last game, but for the bulk of the season, Kyle Shanahan has predicated this offense on the ground game, and they have what a lot of people have referred to as a three-headed monster on the ground when everyone is healthy. Matt Breida, Tevin Coleman, Raheem Mostert. Now, Breida is the guy who's been injured of late, and at this point, we really don't know exactly what his status will be for Sunday night against the Packers. But these three guys, if you if you take their numbers and combine them in terms of looking at it as though this running game had one feature running back, right. the production they've had on the ground is considerable. As you said, they were ranked number two in the league in rushing offense going into the Arizona game. And really, that uh, their last two games... The Seattle Seahawks, which they lost in overtime, and then the comeback victory over Arizona, those are the only two games this year where they've really struggled to run the football, struggled to get it going, and had to put the game on Garoppolo's shoulders. And you know 
with where the Packers are with their run defense and some of the struggles they've had, especially over the last month against the run, you know Kyle Shanahan is coming into this game looking at getting that ground game cranked up again. Yeah, and it's funny, you, you mentioned the three-headed monster. I'd even throw the fourth head in there, too, with Kyle Juszczyk. Uh, he doesn't carry the ball like those guys do, but he's a Valid difference point. maker yeah. out of the backfield. Absolutely. It's just kind of a happy accident how this all came together for San Francisco, though. Jarek McKinnon was supposed to be the guy for them two years ago, and he's had a series of injuries that he's had to work through. Yeah, they paid him some pretty big money really to come money. over from Minnesota as a uh, as a free agent and and to be a key guy in the running game, but injuries have prevented him from really stepping into the spotlight. Yeah, so Breida and Mostert, they became sort of the, the one-two combo, and then you add Tevin Coleman into the mix, and, and here you are with three different backs that all present different challenges. That's what stands out to me. I, it's really interesting, though, because it seems like n- – of the three, none of them have really been playing their best ball at the same time. Maybe one guy breaks out and then somebody else does, uh, but it's not like it's just been one continual circle of guys just going in there and getting 10, 20 yards a pop. I mean, they they just kind of wear you down. That's the way they approach this thing. They felt like they needed to make a big move at the de- trading deadline. They went and got you know Emmanuel Sanders. I mean, you've seen uh, Debo Samuel step up for them at receiver. George Kittle has missed a couple games here with knee and ankle injuries, but you know, if this team is going to be as successful as I think they feel they can be with the start that they're off to and, and, you know, the identity they've established, it has to start on the ground. And from the Packers' perspective, that's where you have to stop them. You have to be able to do that. Now, that's not an automatic key to victory. Just ask the Arizona Cardinals. You also need to keep tabs on Garoppolo. Yeah. But it, 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 that's what is the most dangerous about the 40. They can just beat you in so many different ways. And over the course of the season, they've proven that. And that is ultimately what has gotten them to nine and one. Well, you mentioned George Kittle, the tight end. He is the leading receiver on this team with, I believe, it's five hundred and forty-one receiving yards, and he is still the leading receiver yeah. on this team despite the fact that he has missed the last two games. Now he's another guy that we aren't sure what his injury status will be come Sunday night. But when you look at this game from a matchup standpoint, the two things that have uh, you know, really bugged the Packers over the last four to six weeks have been the running game and have been handling big-time tight ends. And uh, this is exactly what uh, the 49ers build their offense on if they can get George Kittle back. And that's taking nothing away from um, Raw, I believe it's Ross Dwelly. Ross Dwelly, I was yeah. trying to remember the first name. Um, he's uh, obviously stepped in as the number two tight end in Kittle's absence, but George Kittle is a premier player Have in this league. You've been able to watch Kittle much this year? At oh, all? Only, only a little spot. bit. But. So I've watched, I've watched San Francisco quite a bit okay. because, spoiler alert, checks notes, he's on my fantasy team. Uh, <laughs> but here's, here's the thing is that you can't replicate him. Either he plays or he doesn't. And Dwelly's made a couple catches here. He has a couple touchdowns, but... Kittle just adds such a different dimension to this game. And it's not even the fact that, I mean, as long as catch this year is 45 yards, it's the way he moves the chains. I mean, you want to look at a running game that wins down in distance, and then you got a guy like Kittle that can win third downs, third and manageables. That's how they move the football. That's how they've been a difference maker. He didn't really set the world on fire this year like he did last season when he sort of was just their go-to for their entire offense. Yeah, his numbers were off the charts last for a tight year end, for a tight end. Completely yeah. ridiculous. Incredible. So it's come down to earth, but it's funny when you have 46 catches for 541 yards and two touchdowns and you've missed two games, and that's coming back down to earth in Week 12 in the NFL. I mean, yeah. he's just he is a difference maker. He is a monster. If he plays, that is the number one focus. You have to shut him down. You cannot let him get loose 
especially with some of these issues the Packers have had against tight ends as of late. If he doesn't play, though, I'm not saying that's a position you can overlook. Dwelly could step up. There's different guys that could become targets for Garoppolo in this offense. But there is no one like George Kittle. And you can ask Robert Tanya, and he trained with them during the offseason. They're good friends. They share an agent. This guy is just different. He is arguably the best tight end in the game right now. Him and Travis Kelsey probably going back and forth for that distinction. Yeah. And if he's out there, he's problems. Yeah, yeah. And that's uh, certainly an injury situation we'll be watching all week long. And it could be one of those things that we may not find out until 90 minutes before kickoff, whether he's suiting up or not, because uh, uh, the 49ers, they – understand how big this game is just as much as the Packers do when you have nine and one versus eight and two going at it in the NFC in week 12 and the 49ers are going to give all these injured guys as much opportunity as possible to uh, to get ready to take the field Sunday night yeah I mean this is one thing too they are so banged up right now the 49ers are and Kyle Shanahan to his credit he went to the podium on Monday and he went through kind of where they are with everything and, and he admitted that as we talked about there's a guy coming back from a concussion one of their linebackers are open at back the rest of it is kind of up in the air Brita Kittle Sanders working through the rib injury uh even uh you know Debo Samuel uh having a shoulder coming out of that game yeah Emmanuel sure Sanders had be. missed some time and then he was back for the Arizona game but it seems that played. his uh his status is not entirely certain moving forward even though he came back and played last Sunday yeah, I'm actually I'm going to look that up. I'm kind of curious how much they actually played him in that game. Yeah, he only played 36 snaps, 47%. So they were very okay. smart with him. The hope was is that he's going to be able to, you know, take another step this week. It didn't sound like there's any setbacks. And if you followed the 49ers at all, Sam Sanders has been a great addition for them. They felt like they were a veteran receiver away from really being able to fill that offense out. And in his short time here, the three weeks or whatever it's been, he's been a big target for Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. All right, well, shifting gears to the defensive side of the ball, the 49ers, their rankings, their statistics, just as impressive on the defensive side as the offensive side. You don't get to 8 no halfway through a season and to 9-1 after 10 games yeah. without putting up some pretty good numbers. This defense, the, the biggest thing that sticks out to me, the 39 sacks that they have – they actually have a plus 20 differential in sacks. They have 39 sacks as a defense. They've only allowed 19 on offense. That's a pretty big split. This defense also has 22 takeaways, which is third in the league. Now, their turnover margin for the season is only plus five, and that's partly due to the those interceptions of Garoppolo's that you mentioned earlier. But 22 takeaways is number three in the league. This defense, this defense gets after it, Wes, and the pass rush in particular, four different guys in the defensive front have five or more sacks yeah. on the season. You have Eric Armstead with eight, Nick Bosa, the rookie, number two overall draft pick with seven, D Ford with six and a half, Brenson is it Brenson Buckner? No, yep. DeForest. DeForest Buckner. Buckner. DeForest Buckner, yeah. sorry. Wow, that's going back with Brenson. Yeah, that's sorry. <laughs> DeForest Buckner with five. Now, Ford is a guy, another one of these guys on the injury he's, list. That he's banged not, up, too. That they're not, sure, yeah. they're not sure what's going on there. But still, you, you've, got, you've got four guys on that defensive front with five or more sacks on the year. You can't just say, oh, okay, well, we need to, we need to shut down Nick Bosa. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way with these guys. Yeah, and it's just incredible to see how – how they've rebuilt that defense, you know, from the units that you and I remember from 2011 through 13 and yeah. 
you know, there's so many talented players. Yeah, and you uh, had you had that group of Justin Smith and, oh, Justin Smith, and yeah. Navarro Bowman and and um, um, the number 52, Patrick Willis, Patrick Willis. The, guy, the guy in the middle I was trying yeah. to remember. They had some pretty good DBs to go with the, the group as well. Slowly but surely they've built this thing back, right? I mean, yeah. you look at Jimmy Ward. They drafted him a number of years ago out of Northern Illinois. Fred Warner, uh, who's leading them in tackles right now, he was one of those auxiliary pieces when all the dominoes fell from that trade that they made with the Bears, they ended up with him yeah. uh, on on one of those extra trades. But let's, you know, Mike Spofford, let's be real here. Nick Bosa is incredible, uh, much like his brother. Someone asked this in Insider Inbox this week, <laughs> is there any other team that's had to face both Bosa's this year? Pittsburgh actually had to do it. Yeah. Uh, but it's not an easy task. He's going to be a guy to keep an eye on. I just, I love so many things about it. Eric Armstead is a really consistent player. You know, you go back and look at this, Mike, a number of years ago, Solomon Thomas, he was supposed to be like their big pass rusher. He's a rotational guy, the third or overall pick from two years ago, three years ago. They just that was they the, that was the guy that you. that was the guy they took at number three when they gave up that pick yes. to the Bears when the Bears took Trubisky at two. Then they took uh, they took the Stanford defensive lineman there at number three. Anyway, I digress. But yeah, I mean, Quan Alexander, Richard Sherman, they just they've drafted well, they've signed well. D Ford was one of the biggest acquisitions of the offseason, and they found a way with Robert Sala, who goes back a long way with Matt Lafleur when they <laughs> both were quality control assistants with the Houston Texans to building this group out because Mike let's look at this for a second you were talking about the turnover differential here's a couple other numbers for you here 14 points per game difference as opposed to their opponents they're averaging 14 points more a game than their opponents a league best 15.5 points per game an average difference per game in total yardage of 133.6. They are second right now in total yardage as far as the defense, 153, and they are the best in the game right now against the pass, Mike. 142.5 passing yards allowed this season. Wow. Incredible. Well, when you look at this team was absolutely dominant through the first seven, eight games of the season. If you want to look at... Some things are changing though, because yeah, sure. through the first eight, sorry, through the first seven games of the season, this 49ers defense gave up more than 17 points only once yeah. in seven games. But in the last three games, they've given up 25 points per game. They've given up 25 in a victory, 27. In a loss. In a loss in overtime. And then, I'm sorry, they've given up 26 per game because it's gone 25, yeah. 27, and 26. So, and yes, there have been some injuries involved. Quan Alexander, who you mentioned, a linebacker in the middle of everything, he's out for the rest of the year, isn't Correct. he? He's, yeah. he's been placed on injured yeah. reserve. So that's been a big loss for them. They have, and we mentioned D Ford is banged up. So they're dealing with some things and their statistics are starting to regress at least a little bit towards the mean because early in the season, nobody could even do anything against these guys. And, yeah. and now over the last three games, there have been some, uh, you know, some chinks in the armor, so to speak, and teams have been able to put up twenty plus points and give them a, give themselves a chance. And certainly, the the Arizona Cardinals had opportunities to beat them twice, and uh, and the Seattle Seahawks pulled out that overtime game. Well, this is where the real test is going to come for San Francisco, because yeah, you do look at the first half of the season. The Bengals still have struggled to find themselves. Pittsburgh was working through some stuff. The Browns' offense was not in a good place. The Rams have been struggling. Washington's Washington. Carolina had a backup quarterback. Well, now you go and you face 
Cliff Kingsbury's offense and what they do in Arizona. You see them twice in three weeks. Seattle, and you play the extra quarter in that game. Now you got Green Bay. Now you have Baltimore, the top-ranked offense in the league. Then you have New Orleans, who I think is three in offense in the league. They got some real challenges coming up, and this is the beginning half of it. And I think, you know, talking this week and hearing Matt LaFleur speak, they understand the challenge that is in front of them, and they embrace it. I think there's a part of Matt LaFleur with all the ties that he has to both Shanahan and Sala that he's eager to be able to kind of match wits a little bit. Because, honestly, who doesn't like playing chess with their friends every (laughs) once in a while, right? I mean, they want to be able to have that challenge. Why not? This this battle, though, it, it's just incredible, and you and I are going to talk about it all week long, but the implications of this, what this is going to mean, not only for Green Bay. So much is put on Green Bay right now, trying to be in a tie for the league, for the number one seed uh, right now in the NFC, trying to maintain that advantage in the NFC North. But you got to look at it from San Francisco's perspective, too. They're 9-1, and one, and they still don't have that much breathing room in their own division. No. I even laid out the scenario that it's possible that they could be 14-2 and two and still end up being a wild card if they win out, but then they lose to Seattle again. I mean, these are all the different, you know, machinations of this playoff race that has to be taken into account because while there are six or seven teams that have kind of removed themselves from the pack at this point, those six and seven teams are so tightly knit together yeah. that – you know the, the the stakes couldn't be higher, and that is why they're putting this thing on Sunday Night Football, and you and I are flying in at five in the morning on Monday morning. <laughs> That's right. Well, and that you, you said it. The thing that is really interesting about this matchup is it's not just eight and two and nine and one, two of the teams that are at the top of the NFC, but it's what's going on in both of the divisions because yeah. the Niners are nine and one, but the Seahawks are eight and two right behind them. The Packers are eight and two. The Vikings, who are on their bye this week, they're eight and three right behind Green Bay. So, and, and and then it's not just these four teams involved, but you have New Orleans there as well. And then you you wonder um, you wonder okay, you know, are the Rams suddenly going to maybe make a run because they get another shot at the Forty right. ers here? And uh, and who knows what else might happen in that division? So it's really interesting all the things that are going on and the impact that this game could have on the bigger picture. But that being said, even after this game, there are still five more weeks of right. the regular season as uh, as these top teams are going to go head-to-head a bunch. We would be remiss if we didn't mention when we're talking about all these injuries with the San Francisco 49ers, just to back up a second, their kicker, Robbie Gold, yeah, he's also has been up. injured. Yeah. And their backup kicker, whose name is escaping me at the oh, moment, he's the young rookie from... He the, was McLaughlin, Chase McLaughlin. Yeah, McLaughlin. Laughlin. He he hit the big 47-yarder or whatever it was to send the Seattle game, that Monday night game, into overtime, but then he just completely duck-hooked an, a winning opportunity in overtime that then gave yeah. uh, the Seahawks a, a new life, and Seattle ended up pulling that game out. So um, another key injury there because Robbie Gold, as we all know, veteran guy, extremely reliable, not quite sure exactly uh where the 49ers are with McLaughlin and whether Robbie Gold will be back this week or not. So that's another injury situation to keep an eye on. Yeah, and Gold is having a weird year too, man. I mean, after all that conversation in the offseason about if he wanted to go back to San Francisco or not or if he wanted to get back to the Midwest, well, now he's suddenly 13 of 20 on the year, and that is coming after making 33 of 34 last year and 39 of 41 the year before that. So it wasn't really like Gold before this whole soft tissue injury popped up was really lighting the world on fire. San Francisco is trying to find some answers for that position in and above that injury. Yeah. But yeah, McLaughlin made such a clutch kick and then 
you know, put the next one in the tunnel. That's just the way it goes for kickers <laughs> at times. Kind of just a whole hum game last week. Made a field goal, made three, three or four extra points, and and got out of there. So, um, yeah, we're as Shanahan also included with that you know, kind of conversation he had on Monday morning, another guy that's going to be going through the process and they'll see if he's available come Sunday. Yeah. Well, as I've been saying, we will be watching the injury situation on the flip side of things. The Packers right now, we'll see what happens as the week goes along in practice, but the Packers coming out of the bye week all players on the 53 man roster were going through practice to at least some extent on Monday. We'll see how that goes through the week, but uh, but it looks like the Packers, from an injury standpoint, are in about as good a shape as you could hope for uh, for mid-November. Yeah, and from a personal perspective, it was really good to see uh, Trey Smith actually on the field too. Now, we don't know for a fact where he stands in the concussion protocol. Sometimes guys practice, and that's a part of them passing through that. But that was kind of a scary incident he had with that tackle yeah, in the Carolina a, game. So that for was quite, him, a, quite a collision. Obviously, yeah. he's right now the only guy listed on the depth chart as a kickoff returner and a punt returner for Green Bay. But you know, just to see him back out there uh, appearing to be okay was a really positive sign. Yeah, well, we will follow what goes on in practice and with locker room interviews over the next couple of days. But for now, we will sign off on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team leading up to this big Sunday night football game. On Packers.com, you can subscribe us, subscribe to us, like us on iTunes and other podcast services. You can find him on Twitter at Wes Hod. I'm at Mike Spofford at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time.